Psalms. Amen? If you have your Bibles today, this is on my heart heavily. Isaiah chapter number 29. Isaiah chapter 29. I want to begin reading in the 17th, 18th, and 19th verse. And I'd like to ask you if you'd stand with me as we reverence the reading of God's Word together. Isaiah 29, verse number 17. Is it not yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of this book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. In verse 18, there's a phrase that says, In that day shall the deaf hear the title, The Words of the Book. The Words of the Book. I want to preach on that thought today. The words of the book. The words of this book are truth. They are life-giving and life-transforming. Amen? Father, would you help us today to preach the Word of God in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you give our body the energy to be able to preach, Father, today your Word. And for this I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Isaiah is one of the four major prophets in the Word of God. And these prophets are they who represented God's voice. Since the people didn't necessarily have a Bible, God sent men, prophets, to preach and pronounce His Word. One way they knew that the man of God was a prophet was when His prophecies or His words came true. If you said God said such and such and it didn't turn out, and it turned out to be a lie, it was proof that you're not a prophet of God. There are a lot of men that say they are proclaiming they are men of God, but they do not necessarily speak truth. And may I just get time out and say, you're not a man of God if you're not telling the truth. Isaiah's name means salvation is of the Lord. He told the people in Isaiah chapter number 7 because of their sin that God would bring judgment and captivity by the hand of Babylon for 70 years. He begged the people to repent and, and get a reprieve, but the people would not hear the words of God. Thus Babylon will come and destroy the cities. Babylon will come and take the people captive. Babylon, that wicked, idolatrous place filled with worldly, immoral people and wildly insane events that are taken on. Because in Babylon, the people of God will be dismayed and discouraged and in great despair. And they get in a place during that 70 years of captivity, the will of God being done, that they need hope. They need encouragement. They need a word from the Lord. They need to know, and you do too, that God has not forgotten you, that God has not forsaken you, that God has not cast you off to the side and left you doomed in despair. That what they need is not temporary deliverance, they need eternal deliverance. When I look in this chapter, number one, I see the 
preeminent position. Let's see their, their, their situation. Look at verse 1. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel the city where David dwelt. This is Jerusalem that he's speaking about. Ariel is a, a term that are for a word that represents poetically Jerusalem. And God says, because of their sin, verse 2, I will distress Ariel. They shall be in heaviness and in sorrow. In other words, because of their sin, because that God has called them to a place of repentance and they would not hear God's words and they would not heed God's words, therefore judgment's going to fall upon them. Verse 9 says, Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. What does that mean? Drunken with the love of pleasure. Drunken with corrupt principles. They're, they're staggering and they're unstable. Verse number 10, For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. In other words, you're not even aware of your circumstances. It's just like things are going on around you and they don't even matter to you because you're in a spirit of deep sleep. He says, He has closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers hath He covered. You've refused my word, now I'm going to put you in a position where you won't receive or hear my word. Verse 11, And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed which deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. You realize if God doesn't open to us the treasures of the book, we can't receive it. I don't care how many degrees your preacher has, if God has sealed it, you'll not get it. And they had refused and rejected the word of God, and God said, it's like sealed to them. Verse number 12, the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. In other words, I look at it, I, I don't understand what it's saying. In fact, I don't really even want to read it. Your flesh does not want to read the word of God. Your flesh does not want to heed the word of God. Your flesh will battle with you about your time and your commitment to read the word of God. God says in verse 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me. See, they're going through the motions. They're, they're having tabernacle temple services. They're doing all the sacrifices. They're, they're going through doing all the customary, traditional, fundamental things they're supposed to be doing. But they have removed their heart from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. See that? It's not from their heart anymore. It's just because they think it's the thing to do. God said he's going to do a marvelous thing. Verse 15, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us and who knoweth us? As if God doesn't know what you're doing as if God doesn't know what you're spending your time on, where your real love interests are. Verse 16, surely you're turning of things upside down. You see the world today? Things are turning upside down. Things that are wrong are called right. 
Things that are right are called wrong. Things are being turned upside down. As if the clay can say to the potter, things are not right. We're going to do things we, the way we want to do things. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him they framed it, he had no understanding? May I say this, God is going to bring judgment and in his wrath, he's going to turn things back his way. That day is coming. For the children of Israel in captivity, he's given them a word to say, the day is coming in which the deaf, those that cannot hear, they will hear the words of this book. Those that cannot see, God's going to open their eyes and cause them to see the words of this book. You may be in captivity now. Sin may hold you in, in dread sway. But God says, I can turn things around. Thank God he can turn things around. So we see, number one, the imminent position. It is a message of hope. Though they're in sin, God is saying, if you'll turn to me, if you'll turn to my word, if you'll love my word, blessings shall flow to you. Now I'm reading this and I turn to Isaiah 55. Turn there. In Isaiah 53, the Lord Jesus Christ is pictured here. Here they are. They're in captivity. And Isaiah preaches and he writes to them of Isaiah 53 about a Messiah who will come and bear their griefs, lay down his lives, lay down his life that their lives might be saved. Isaiah 54, we see his resurrection. In Isaiah 55, he begins to speak with the people about having fellowship with him. In Isaiah 55, in verse number 1, look with me, second of all, at the immense plea. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The word ho, it is an announcement. It is an alert. It is a call to listen. It emphasizes the importance of the matter. Ho, everyone. The word of God says this invitation is to everyone. Say you had a birthday party. You probably can't invite everyone. You cannot do what everyone else is doing. But when it comes to Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. His invitation is to everyone. Everyone that thirsteth. When you were born, you were born thirsty. If you don't have a thirst for milk, you're not going to make it very long. You're not going to live. Not only a physical thirst, but God has given you inside of you a spiritual thirst. There is something there that seeks something tangible, spiritually speaking, that can satisfy you and can sustain you. The only one that can sustain you is Jesus. Ho, everyone that hath no money. When you were born, you didn't come with gold attached to your body. There was no dollar bills, no silver bells on your feet. You had nothing. You were naked. You were without clothes. You were without food. Spiritually, we are broke. We have nothing spiritually to give to God. And we're looking for help. Look with me in verse 2. 
Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? You're looking for satisfaction and you're spending your money on imitations, on drugs, on drink, on sex, religion. It will not satisfy you. You are looking for an answer, spending all you have in this world, but this world cannot satisfy you. But good news, I said good news. Verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. If you'll hear the words of this book, your soul shall live. God is making an immense plea to everyone to get a hold of the Word of God. Thirdly, I want you to look at the immeasurable provisions. Back to verse 1. Not only is everyone invited to the table, but there's provisions on the table. Now y'all look at me. One time I was invited to go out with someone back to their house, and we went into a house, and I'm telling you, I don't pay attention to stuff, but there was nothing to eat, and we were supposed to eat. There was nothing on the table. I mean nothing. My stomach was hungry. I'm sure they were hungry. But we got back, and they said, we're sorry, preacher, we've invited you back, but we don't have anything in the pantry. We don't have anything in the cupboard. We don't have anything in the freezer. They didn't even have any milk to drink, even there. Only thing out of the refrigerator, all we had was tap water. They had a table that we could fellowship at, and all we could do was sit around the table and drink water. Let me tell you something, honey. When you come to God and He invites you to the table, He has provisions on the table that will satisfy your soul. He said, You will buy bread, and you will, excuse me, you will buy wine, and you will buy milk. Without money, without price. You come to the waters without money. God will sustain you with his supply, with his provisions. Hey, guess what? It's free. Without money. Without price. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's free. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's free. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It's free. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's free. Honey, on the table is salvation, and it is offered, provided for you for free. Bread, wine, milk, all these things are things which can satisfy you. Hear me? There is pleasure in sin for a season. But the seasons change and you'll be left destitute and in despair. He says in verse 3, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. A covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. Jesus said, I will make a covenant with you just as I made a covenant with David. God said to David, You'll, your family will sit on the throne for all of eternity. And they will through Jesus Christ. 
Absolutely. And God's covenant, God's promise is sure. His agreement is true. And God said, if you'll come to me, to my table, and take of me, we'll not just have fellowship, we'll have relationship, and we will enter into eternity together. What a promise. Fourthly, there is an immediate pardon. Verse number six, I've got to move on. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You ought to underline that. Now, if you go and eat at a table, you can eat from it, and a few hours later, after you got nice and full, earlier, a few hours later, now you're hungry again because it runs out. But honey, if you'll come to his table, it'll satisfy you forever. Hallelujah to God. Now, it's a searching task. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. It's a diligent search. You're actively looking. It's your earnest desire to find him. You are looking. You see, Israel, they didn't care about the things of God. Do we, in the day in which we live, care about the things of God? Will you search and seek him through his precious word? Amen. Listen. You have to have a search for the right person. This choir, the youth choir today, and those that help from the adult choir, what a blessing. But the choir won't save you. We got a lot of preachers in this church. Hopefully they'll be preaching tonight. But these preachers will not save you. Their programs, their facilities, their buildings, their lights. Honey, you can have a light show here, but it will not save you. Entertainment will not save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Ugh, man, that's working me. It's a definite search. Now, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call you upon him while he's near. There's a definite season. Did you know he's not always available? Oh, wait a minute, preacher. He's always with me. He's, he's not going to leave me or ever forsake me. That's right. But there's times when he's closer than other times. Y'all with me? Not every, We say we're going to have 11 o'clock worship service, but not every time is 11 o'clock worship service, worship service. Hey, listen, Preacher Darren, you, you can't say that. I did because I go to church here. Not every time is the worship service a worship service. Amen? There was a man one time in Chicago came to hear D.L. Moody preach, and D.L. Moody preached with passion and preach from the word of God and the spirit of God convicted this man and this man said I will not get saved I cannot get saved I won't get saved because I have a business partner that's worldly he'll make fun of me it's an unequal yoke and if I do this I'll have to sell the business and get out or I have to witness to him and he's got to get saved and that's never going to happen I'm just never going to get saved what foolish logic and within a week he got deathly sick and within two weeks the lady of the house sent for the preacher. They didn't go to church there. And D.L. Moody came to the house and the man was dying. The doctor said, you're going to die within the month. And the, he started talking to the man. And the man got saved, got right with God, and had a complete reversal. God turned things upside down again. And the man reco recovered his health. And he got back to the job. And all of a sudden, he quit coming to church. And D.L. Moody went back to see him and said, listen, what are you doing? He said, I've got an unequal yoke. I'm with a business partner. But if he knows I'm going to church now, yes, I got saved. But if he knows I'm going to church, he's going to make fun of me. And I can't let him make fun of me. And within a week, he got sick and he died. 
And I'm going to tell you something. God expects us to serve Him. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. You need to get around Him and call upon Him while He is near. His Spirit will not always strive with men. There's a time God says, that is enough. Did you realize, I don't know if you know this or not, but this will be a shocker. You probably need to put your seatbelt on. Go ahead right now. Get your seatbelt. Get your seatbelt and click it. Click click it. Preacher, then I'm too young to drive. Click it with me. I'm going to let you drive this morning. Click it. We live in a day of procrastination. Put your crash helmet on right here. People say, I'll get saved later. I'll start going to church later. I'll get right with God later. God intends for you to start getting in His Word, loving Him, being faithful to His house today. Well, preacher, don't you get up here and get my grill about that. I, 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 I'm just giving you what God told me to preach. And if He grabs a hold of your heart with it, I'll not apologize. You need to do what God tells you to do or else. Verse 7 let the wicked, preacher Dan, when are you going to be done? When I'm finished. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So here, here's my thinking. Some of us, we're trying to serve God. And some of us are trying to hold on to the world while we're serving God. And the world's pulling you out of church. And the world is pulling you out of Sunday school. And the world's pulling you out. Of, I mean, people say, we need Sunday school. We need Sunday school. People ought to be in Sunday school. Yeah, you're right. We need people to be in Sunday night service too. Sunday school teacher. The world pulling you out. What about Wednesday night activities ready? You want to see your church grow? Get behind it. You got the world pulling you away. The Bible says, let the wicked man forsake his ways. And, and look, and the unrighteous man, let look, the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. If you've been drug away by whatever, God said, let that go. God said, I'll have mercy on you. Read what it says. Verse 7, number 7. And that's, listen, number 7 is God's number. I'll have mercy upon him and to our God, or he'll have mercy upon him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Let me give you a scriptural truth this morning. Parole or pardon? What did the word say? Pardon. If you're paroled, that tells me that you were once locked up. And you had to go before a parole board for you to get parole. Either you got parole or you didn't get parole. And if you get parole, you have to be checked on. Or you have to check in. Someone's always looking over you. It's because in the past, you are prone to trouble. And now, you're all, are y'all looking at me? You're always attached to what you did in the past. And you're trying to serve God, but because of whatever happened back there, you're letting that drag you away. Away from the blessings of God. And my Bible, your Bible, God's Word did not say paroled. God said you've been pardoned. 
Now, there's a difference. Yes, if you've been pardoned, that means, yes, you are at one time guilty. But now you've been, you're not only set free from the prison, but now you've been cleared of all guilt. It's God looking at you as the righteous judge as if you've never committed a crime. Society wants to look down on you. Your flesh wants to look back and remember at what you did. But Jesus looks beyond your faults and so your needs and only Jesus Christ can issue a pardon. And when he pardons you, he clears you of all guilt. I'm not a... I want to jump so bad. Woo! I am pardoned, cleared from all guilt. Underline that word in your Bible because you need to rub the devil's nose in it. God looks at you as if you have never sinned. It's, number four, it's an immediate pardon. It's not parole. Some of y'all run around here like you've been paroled. It's time to forsake your way. It's time to let go and let God. Preacher Darren, you've made me so mad by something you've already said. That was Isaiah's problem too. He stood up and preached the truth to the people and they didn't want to hear it. And God said, if you don't want to hear it, then I'm going to put a deep sleep on you. I'm just going to let things just pass you by. You don't care. Judgment's coming. Wrath's going to fall. You're going to see it on your grandchildren. And you're going to pay a price because you would not be a man or a woman and lead them as God told you to. I'm just preaching to you the word of God. Lead them. Amen. Fifthly, and I'm done, there is an immaculate power. God says, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. You see, God's ways are above our ways. I'm, we'll take time out. I, Brother Jerry, I'm glad I have a God that don't think like me. I'm, gl- I'm glad that I have a God who doesn't have to just live at my level all the time. I have a God who's on high. I have a God, amen. I have a God who's in glory, who's beyond what I can think or pray. I have a God that high, amen. I don't want a God that's on my level. I want a God that's on high, and I've got one. He says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, I watched this the other day, it come a snow shower here pretty heavy. We were loading cars at the school and man, the wind was a-blowing and the wind was hitting me in the face and the ice was hitting me in the face and the snow was hitting me in the face. And I thought about this verse. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither. So what is the origin of the rain? It's coming from the heavens. God provided the rain and the snow and God sent his blessings down. Every good and perfect gift 
cometh from above. And God sent his blessing down and the rain and the snow, they water and nourish the earth and cause it to grow. He says, but it watereth the earth, it maketh it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It has a divine origin and God's word has come down from a divine origin to speak to us. It has a divine objective. The rain and the snow cause the earth to bud. It causes the earth to give seed to the sower. It causes the earth to provide bread for the eater. God's word, he says, my word shall not return unto me void. It, will, it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God has a plan and an accomplishment and a purpose that he plans on making sure happens. God uses his word to do it. It is a divine operation. God's word will do. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You know what I've seen the word of God do? I've seen the word of God identify someone who is lost and point them to a place of salvation. I've seen the word of God clean up a dirty mouth. I have seen, I have seen the word of God clean up an alcoholic. I have seen the word of God put marriages back together. I've seen the word of God give an addict an answer that actually works. I've seen the word of God whoo, bring back wayward children. I've seen the word of God teach families how they ought to love each other. I've seen the word of God cause children to learn how to be obedient. You see, the word of God has planted churches. The word of God has rescued ravaged lives. The word of God has assured situations that have no hope. The word of God has spoken peace in the middle of the storm, honey, and it will work. It's a perfect word. It's a pure word. It's a profitable word. It's a prophetic word. Honey, it's a powerful word. It's a penetrating word. It's a piercing word. What a word we have today. Look at verse 12 and 13. In conclusion, you shall go out with joy. In other words, when you leave captivity, you're going to have joy. You'll be led forth with peace. What about that? God's bringing you through something right now. And God says, because you've loved my word, because you've heeded my word, taken a hold of my pardon, I'm going to leave you out of this circumstance, out of this valley, and I'm going to cause you to have joy, and I'm going to give you to be, I'm going to cause you to be led by peace. Now watch this. The, hill, the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. When the wind's blowing, you think the limbs are clapping for you. Woo, God. And I got out to you the other day and that wind was blowing in my face. And I tried to cover up because I didn't like it. God said, it's just the trees are clapping. I've been so good to you. I've been blessing you. I'm giving you joy. I'm giving you peace. I'm blessing you. As the rain comes down, as the snow comes down, my word's coming down and it's helping you. Well, hallelujah to God. You know what? I got over my cold spell. I released my zipper on my jacket a little bit. I was doing just fine in the middle of cold weather. Amen. You know why? Because God blessed me. He said, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar 
shall come up the myrtle tree. I got some of them at my house. I love them. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. God said, I'm going to trade your, thorn, your thorns for trees. That sound good to you? Preacher Darren, I got a pain in my neck. Preacher Darren, I got thorn. God said, I'm going to take the thorn and I'm going to turn it into a tree. And it's going to start clapping, amen. I'm going to replace the wreckage in your life for peace. The Word of God. Get in the Word of God. The words of this book say so. Preacher Darren, I believe it when I see it. Honey, I believe it. And because I believe it, I will see it. Preacher stopped at JNS Cafeteria. He loved to hand out tracks. As he went through and got the, got the country style steak with the good brown gravy and mashed taters and put gravy on that. You what kind of I want green beans. I want some, yeah, I want some of that kernel corn, absolutely. I want one of them great old big yeast rolls. I'm gonna get me some sweet tea to drink. And for dessert, I'm gonna get me a brownie. And I, hey man, and you go down there to the Jet S cafeteria and you pay. And a little girl walked up and said, where you want to sit, sir? I'll carry your tray and unload it for you. He said, I want to sit way down yonder in the corner because he thought he might give her a track. When she picked it up, she carried it. She set the tray down. She was unloading the mashed taters. And, un- and he looked at her and handed her a track. God's simple plan of salvation. She looked at him, opened it. It said Jesus on it. She fell on her knees and started to weep. And she said, sir... Can you tell me about this eternal plan of salvation right now without me having to read it? He said, honey, go home and read it. She said, can you tell me about it? She said, I got a nine-year-old son that over the course of this summer went to Bible school and got saved. And then my son was killed tragically. And he's in heaven now. And where we went for his funeral, nobody could tell me where my boy was. He said, honey, this word will tell you where your boy is. This word will tell you how to get to where your boy is. His name is Jesus. If you'll come through Jesus, it'll be all that you need. And that little girl right there at the JNS cafeteria, she called on Jesus and got gloriously saved. This word says so. The deaf was caused to hear. The blind was caused to see. I got an illustration I have to share. Preacher A.C. Dixon, man, what a preacher. He was preaching in a great meeting, thousands of people there. He asked the moderator, he said, Sir, will you tell me about your salvation experience? The man says, Well, it's strange. I was visiting a relative in Sydney, Australia, and I was walking down George Street, and a little white-haired man walked out and gave me a track and said, If you died today, would you go to heaven? I pondered his words, received the track, The man turned around and walked off. I went home and read the little track that had the word of God in it, and I got saved. I said, man, that's incredible. A.C. Dixon was in Atlanta at a convention, listen to this, of 1,000 chaplains. He asked the testimony of the man in charge. He said, can you tell me, sir? He said, well, it's easy. I was in the Navy. I was a lost sailor. We were harbored in Sydney, Australia. One day I was walking down George Street, and a little white-haired man gave me a track and said, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I took the track, walked back to the, got back on the boat, 
started reading it and I bowed my knee and got saved and God called me into the, into the mission field and then God called me to be a preacher, to be a chaplain. A.C. Dixon went to a missions conference of 5,000 people and he was in India. He said to the man in charge, he said, can you tell me your testimony? He said, I was a lost Hindu sinner in Sydney, Australia. I was walking down George Street and a little white-haired man gave me a track and said, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I took the track, pondered his words, went home and read it, and I got gloriously saved. A.C. Dixon flew home to London. He was speaking at a minister's conference in Keswick. He told about the man. When the service was over, four elderly pastors walked up to him and said, 25 and 30 years ago, we got saved. We were lost sinners in Sydney, Australia, walking down George Street, and a little white-haired man walked up and gave us a track and said, if you die today, would you go to heaven? They read the track and they got saved. Eight months later, A.C. Dixon was in Grasmere, which is a suburb of Sydney. He asked the pastor, he said, you wouldn't happen to know we're close to George Street. You wouldn't happen to know a little white-haired man that witnesses to everybody. They said, we do. His name is Frank Genoer. He's old and frail now. He said, can we go see him? Two days later, they went to his apartment. He made them tea, but his hand was shaking, and it was, sp it was spilling tea every which way. The A.C. Dixon looked at him and said, let me tell you about all these accounts in Atlanta and in London and, 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 and places in India. And all I'm hearing about this little white-haired man, are you that man? He said, well, he said, I was on a warship and my life was completely blown to pieces. I was paralyzed as a sinner and I was in terrible shape. I was under such a burden. I went to a Christian man whom I treated horribly he led me to Christ. He loved me and led me to Christ. I was so grateful to God that I said, God, every day of my life, would you let me witness to 10 people? And I just figured the best place to do that was down on George Street where I could hand out 10 tracts every day. But to the best of my knowledge, most of what I got was a few people just took it, walked off, and everybody else said no and cussed at me, and they rejected me. In fact, I don't know of one person that ever got saved until you told me this today. And the preacher said, the best I can figure, sir, there may have been over 100,000 people that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because you took God at His word and you did what this book said and caused the deaf to hear and it caused the blind to see. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, in heaven, Frank Janur's name is most welcome. Hey, welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things and I'll make you ruler over many things. I'm just telling you the words of this book, they are life. If I never stand again, I'm telling you the words of this book are true. They're about eternal life and meet me in heaven one day. Amen. You'll stand to your feet. Maybe there's somebody you'd make your way to the altar and say, oh God, give me a backbone when it concerns the word of this book. God, thank you for the word pardon and you didn't call it parole. Thank you, God, for the promises. Thank you, God, for the word. Will you open its vast treasures to me? Will you cause me to have understanding? God, would you save my soul? God, would you put provisions on my table? Oh, would you come? Folks moving round about. Our Father and our God, Lord, to the best of my ability, I've tried to share what you've laid on my heart. Thank you for your immeasurable pardon, 
it was immediate, Lord, when I bowed and called upon your name in accordance to your word. Father, it was not my plan, but yours. You called us to take this book and to preach it and to proclaim it. And Lord, I've done a lousy job, a poor job. But Lord, I love your word. And I want to stand and proclaim it as you allowed it. God, would you take this word that I have in my hand right now? And God, would you give me wisdom to understand it? Would you give me backbone to stand upon it? And would you help me, God, to proclaim it? God, would you give me favor? Not just favor with God, but the ability to speak with men. God, the power of God to be their friend and to tell them about a God who sent His Son to die for them and save them. God, would you save sinners for Jesus' sake? God, would you touch the church with which we're affiliated? And God, would you help our Lord not to be stagnant? Oh, no. God, would you cause her to have stirring waters, waters of life, waters of revival, waters of blessing. God, would you send this unto us, Lord? God, I'm asking your help. Please, Lord, do not send a spirit of deep sleep upon our church as you did Israel. God, send us a spirit of awakening, a spirit of reviving. Help us, God, to love the Word and to love the God of His Word. And for this I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.